and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Cole Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gap control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, how the hell are you? Hey, Shane, I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if this is good news. I don't know if this is terrible news. But the greatest defensive coach in the land, other than Nick Saban, has just left his job. Have you heard the news? No, I'm trying to narrow down the list. Who are we talking about? Old Shiano Greg. <laughs> the greatest Tennessee coach that never was Shane. He's he's lasted as long at New England as he did at Tennessee. Zero career games coaching for the Patriots. He announced on Thursday that he is, uh, you know, he was named the off or defensive coordinator there under Bill Belichick, and he's not going to coach a damn game up there. Oh my God! What happened, Mike? What's what's going on there, Scoop? He says he wants to spend more time with his family, which <laughs> probably means he was maybe getting his, you know, one of those hand jobs with the owner there is what oh, is the only man. thing I can think of. He was reading off a paper. Okay, this is what Belichick told me to say. <laughs> <laughs> I want to spend time with the family. It's the old Urban Meyer. Yeah, no, there's something going on. Something wasn't working out up there. And uh, once again, I guess old Vol Twitter was correct. Yeah, we don't want the old shower Shiano there, so no. it's good to see that uh, Tennessee fans, it looked like they got that one right, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's still going to be people questioning their actions, but once again, it looks like you know they knew what they were doing a lot more than, than some of these smiley face reporters. Oh, man, Shiano. Maybe he'll get another opportunity. I mean, what, is Canada cranking up, or is they, are they ending? <laughs> they just <laughs> Oh, jeez, AF. AAF's already started, so I mean, yeah, he's got a he's got a whole season to spend with his family, so yeah, he'll be back in it, but I don't think it's going to be at the NFL level, brother. <laughs> All right, Shane. Before we go around the league, we got to get to my interview here, the one we teased on the last episode with the founder of QB Country, former Ole Miss quarterback David Morris. Some of his coaches in college were David Cutcliffe, Noel Mazzoni, Kurt Roper. So, I mean, and these are some of the guys in the SEC that have been around for a number of years and really know what they're doing. Uh, He's based out of Mobile, Alabama, and he teaches middle school, high school, college, and NFL quarterbacks. I got him actually right off the practice field here from Duke's Pro Day. He's the trainer for Daniel Jones, who's the Blue Devils starting quarterback last year, who a lot of people think is going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. So uh, this guy really knows his stuff. Uh, Let's cut to this phone interview here with uh, David Morris, founder of QB Country. All right, we're pleased to be joined by the founder of Quarterback Country, David Morris. He's a former Ole Miss quarterback. He played for the Rebels from 1998 to 2002. Uh, thanks for joining us, David. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Michael, thanks for, for having me. You know, I wanted to have you on because obviously you got deep ties to the SEC, played in the SEC, played for some, some incredible coaches like Noel Mazzoni, David Cutcliffe, Kurt Rober. I mean, these are guys that every SEC fan knows, and uh, you've been training quarterbacks for a number of years, and you're, according to your website, in the last five signing classes, you've trained with quarterbacks that have uh, signed 103 scholarship at the uh, college football level. So I'm just curious, can you give us a little background on uh, what exactly quarterback country is? Yeah, sure. So, um, so QB Country is a uh, quarterback training and development company for you know NFL guys all the way down to middle school. We have programs in place for uh, literally from the top to the bottom. So uh, we are a, co- a company that was uh, born in, in Mobile, Alabama, and we uh, are now have expanded, and we're in 10 locations, predominantly in the southeast. We get we also have a, 
location in Charlotte and in uh, in uh, Dallas, Plano, Texas. So, but yeah, predominantly in the South, and um, and just you know, it's it's fun uh, to be able to to hit. Uh, you know, all those different age groups or, you know, experience, you know, levels because, um, you know, it kind of keeps each each group or each, um, I guess, age group is, is so different, right? So the NFL aspect of the draft prep is, is one thing. And then um, obviously the training college quarterbacks is another. And then high school is different from middle school and middle school is different from youth. So I think, you know, the ability and um, – to train kind of people and kids from all different uh, levels is, is kind of what, what makes it uh, most fun. Now, before we got on this call, you told me that, uh, you know, you're getting ready for a pro day up there at Duke. I know one of the guys you've been training with is Daniel Jones, who a lot of people think he could be a first-round pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, how's it been training with Daniel Jones? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, Daniel's a pro. Um He's going to have a long career, in my opinion. Um, he's well coached. He, you know, he's coached by David Cutcliffe, a guy that, that coached me. And then Zach Roper was actually at Ole Miss, who's his offensive coordinator now, was a GA at Ole Miss when I was there. It tells you how old me and Zach are getting. But, um, but I mean, he uh, he's well prepared. And um, pro day's tomorrow, and, and it should be, uh, should be a great day. He's ready. He's had a great uh, process, and he's gotten stronger, and he's, um, kind of grown in every phase. So we're, we're really excited about tomorrow, and I, I think he should uh, create some differentiation between him and some other guys. Now, speaking of David Cutcliffe, obviously that was would have been your coach there at Ole Miss, and you crossed paths with Eli Manning, one of the best quarterbacks not only in that school's program, but uh, you know in SEC history. What's your best Eli Manning story? Because, I, I mean, I know there's plenty of stories about him being a wild man on campus, but – you got any fun stories, whether it's from the locker room or just anything with uh, Eli Manning? Man, a uh, lot of lot of fun stories. Um, I mean, I think the thing about Eli that stands out. I mean, obviously he's a um, he's a he's a lot of fun. Everybody in the locker room loves him. Um, he was a guy that was a, a, a captain for several years. Probably, I guess three year captain at Ole Miss. You know, he he wins the team over by. Uh, the way that he works and competes and 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 um, kind of uh, leads in that by example, and so I think I think the thing that stands out about Eli is just how consistent he is, um, uh, just how uh, steady he is, uh, and I'm, I'm a believer that that he's got a couple more years at least under his belt, and um, and he I would imagine that he'll have a a good year this year. So I'm pulling for him. We're, we're close friends and we still train together and everything. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Eli. He, uh, he loves football and he works hard at it. Well, in addition to Eli Manning, you've also, you know, helped train AJ McCarrion, who's another NFL player, another outstanding SEC player, Jake Coker, who spent a little bit of time in the NFL and obviously led Alabama to a national championship. Uh, but one guy I really wanted to have you on, we've got a really big Georgia following and I know one guy that you've trained with, I think, for five or six years now is Jake Fromm. Uh, what can you tell us about Jake Fromm heading into 2019 and just the training you've been doing with, with a guy that I don't think gets enough respect as being I, – I think he's one of the two or three best quarter, college quarterbacks we have right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Jake is, uh, Jake is you know, kind of what I mentioned about Eli earlier. He, Jake is steady. Uh, one of the things that all these guys have in common, you know, Daniel Jones, um, you know, uh, you know, we mentioned Eli, we mentioned, mentioned AJ, um, Jake Fromm, Jake Coker. I mean, all these guys are super, super competitive. Uh, Jake is one of the most competitive kids I've ever been around. He, you know, you can't fake loving football and, um, and he does love football. It's, it's a big thing. It, it sounds basic, but if you love football, it, it's kind of, um, at the core of your passion or at the core of, you know, the, you know, your experience for the game is, 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 is something pure and true and, um, and something that can't be taken away. And so he loves football. Um, Jake is a, a, a grinder. He's a worker. I mean, he's a type guy that you got to tell him to slow down or, Hey, no more, no more throwing, no more lifting. 
because he's going to want to keep going. He's a fighter. Uh, I think that he's, he's in a great place right now. I mean, he knows how to be steady in big moments. I mean, he's beat out two guys that are probably going to be first-rounders themselves down the road. And, um, you know, I just think it says a lot who Jake Tom is. And, and he believes in his abilities. And he's going to, when it's, when it's his turn, when it's his rep, he's going to, he's going to perform. And um, that doesn't matter if it's the Nash championship or if it's, you know, um, you know, kind of somewhat of a, a cupcake mid-major. I mean, it, Jake is going to always play well. He's, he's consistent. Um, and as far as training this off season, you know, he's, he's kind of been working on everything kind of like we always do. Um, nothing changes. Let's get better. Do you, is there any aspect of his game that you think from last year to this season that you've noticed, uh, you know, since the last off season of training that you really see him progressing heading into his junior year? Yeah. Physically he's in the best shape of his life. I mean, he's, he's a thick guy. Um, and I think he, you know, I think he's in really good quarterback shape right now. Um, he's never been out of shape. He's always, I mean, he's a pretty jacked up dude, but I think he's, I think he's, um, you know, a little bit, uh, again, kind of better quarterback shape and not, uh, I think he's thinking more and lifting more and um, taking care of his body more uh, like a quarterback. And I think that, you know, for him, that's going to help him be more fluid, going to help him be, you know, move uh, the way he wants to move. Um, I, I think, you know, I think his, his motion's gotten better and better. His, his, uh, mechanics have gotten better and better, and he's always been a mechanically sound guy. But I think, I think that's something that always continues to evolve. And um, you know, I think I think one of the things we always work on is twitch, you know, and his drops and his movements. And I think he's gotten twitchier. So, I mean, I, I just think he's I think he's somewhat in a constant growth mode, and um, it's, it's fun to watch because uh, you know he, he he's not content, and, and I don't see him getting that way anytime soon. Now, you've worked with so many guys that have gone on to the NFL level. Uh, obviously, I would imagine you think Jake Fromm is going to make that that leap, whether that be a year from now or two years from now. Uh, do you th- How successful can he be at the NFL level, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, kind of training a guy, you know, Daniel Jones right now, who's projected to be a first-rounder, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got all the tools mentally and physically and, and – and, Fromm's in a similar boat, right? I mean, so both these guys are guys that um, above the neck are very smart. Um, it means a lot to them. And Jake Jake is one of those guys that he's very mature. I mean, he's uh, – I think his teammates love him, but he knows when to focus on football, and that's very important at the next level. He's not going to be distracted. Um, and so I would say that Jake Fromm is a first-rounder, you know, and um, – He's got to keep doing what he's been doing, but and I don't know when he comes out. But there's gonna be a lot of people that want a leader and want a guy who's a who's as efficient and as consistent and as clutch as, as Jake, and you know, and as tough as Jake. So, I mean, he's got he's got all the stuff. Now, another Georgia quarterback that you've worked with, Stetson Bennett. I mean, he's this is one of the weirdest stories. I don't think I've ever seen it where a guy is a walk on. And then he leaves the program, and he does well at junior college, and then he comes back as a scholarship player. Uh, what can you tell Georgia fans about Stetson Bennett? Yeah, Stetson's a uh, – uh, spent some time with him over spring break as well. And, man, just a just a uh, really neat kid. I, li- I like his mental makeup. He's tough. He's very confident. Um, and I think you got to be that way. You know, he believes that, uh, you know, that he can play in the SEC, and he can. I mean, he's physically very talented. Um, he can throw it, and, and he's very athletic. So, I mean, I think, you know, he's just got to continue to work like he's going to be, a, you know, the starter. That's kind of the rule for any backup. And, um, you know, odds are if Jake stays healthy, that, you know, that's what he'll be, right? Um, but he knows that, and, and I think that at some point, you, you know, uh, all, you know, most most good ones are going to be backups, but I think he, I think he's um, really a talented and interesting kid, especially kind of with the new um, mode of, of, of the ways you know quarterbacks are, are are being built and and the way they're starting to look. I mean, not everybody doesn't have to be six three anymore, and 
he's one of those twitchy little, um, you know, ball players, and he and he's he's a he's a dude. I mean, he can he can play. Now, one other guy I wanted to ask you about: you've trained with Jake Bentley, obviously South Carolina's quarterback, and I mean he's had a wild ride too because he came in, you know, he played well as a freshman. Expectations, I think, were too high for him, and you know the fans maybe a little bit down on him. What what advice would you give him going into his senior year, and and how how strong do you think he can finish his uh, Gamecock career? Yeah, I'm super impressed uh, by Jake. I mean, all of these guys are just incredible kids. Jake's an incredible kid. Um, coach's son. Uh, you know, there's. Uh, I think I think when you think about Bentley, you think about a guy that um, has tons of games under his belt uh you know he has uh tons of experience playing there's no there's no experience that's gonna rattle him or shake him he's as talented as anybody I mean he's just um one of those guys that uh you know I mean I think South Carolina is gonna um you know have to fight and claw in the SEC uh East right I mean it's a tough division Mm -hmm. and I think that um I think from what you'll see from Jake this year uh, is is a, is a more um, uh, polished decision maker. I think he's going to take care of the football. Uh, I mean, physically he can play, man. I think he's an NFL quarterback. I I think that um, this will be his best year yet. Uh, he's well coached up there by by Dan Werner and the, and that crew. And um, and I think that I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that are excited about him. And uh, I, I think that. You know, it's easy to take somebody for granted that's been there a while, uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I mean, I think I think what he's done there at South Carolina is is, is pretty amazing, and you know, the, you know, for him to be a, a four year starter is is uh, unheard of. So I mean, his legacy in the SEC uh, uh, will be that. I mean, he's going to leave a legacy, and I think I think this is going to be a, a special year for him. I, I couldn't be more excited for him. Now, one other guy that I know you've worked with who I don't think he's at, on campus just yet, but uh, Ole Miss 2019 signee. I don't know if I can say this name right. Kincaid Dent, is that his name? How, what can you tell Rebel fans about him? Yeah, Kincaid um, is a uh, tall, athletic. Uh, he is, uh, you know, probably 6'5", two, you know, 200. Um, you know, he's got to gain some weight. But he's very, very talented. He can really throw it. Big arm. Um, you know, I think he'll be kind of battling for that second string spot with a couple other guys. Uh, but he can play. And, um, you know, I think the goal there would be to develop him mm-hmm. and to, uh, you know, and, and to, to put some weight on. But he's a talented kid. Do you got any other quarterbacks that either, you know, SEC fans or just college football fans in general should be on the lookout for for 2019? Man, I think we I think we kind of covered uh, a lot of these guys, but no, I um, I'm excited to uh, be a you know be a part of uh, your show and, and and be a part of um, helping get these guys a little better and and uh, I think that uh, I think the SEC is going to be you know kind of kind of in a good position when it comes to quarterback. There's a lot of really good young ones out there. Yeah, definitely. So anybody out there wants to check out what David Morris is doing out there with QB Country, you can check that out at www.qbcountry.com. And they're also on Twitter, at QB Country. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, David. We really appreciate it. Hey, Mike, I appreciate you, and uh, have a good one. All right, man. See ya. All right, Shane. So I really try to get to David's thoughts here, particularly on uh, Jake Fromm and Jake Bentley and uh, Stetson Bennett. I mean, I think Georgia and South Carolina fans can appreciate all that. And I even had some information there on Ole Miss freshman Kincaid Kent. Uh, what do you think of uh, what he had to say about those guys? Dude, I, I'm I'm more upset he didn't give us a little dirt on Eli. I mean, everybody knows <laughs> Eli liked to party down there. He got one story for us. But uh, you can tell, man, he don't tell much. So uh, I, I, never, I didn't realize that he – influence so many quarterbacks so i thought that was pretty impressive just you know his he's had his hands on just about all these guys so uh um i'm curious to see how how from does this year i want to see how bentley i i think my biggest one believe it or not is bentley 
just because of the pressure, the ups and downs he had last season, I want to see uh, what kind of quarterback we're looking there in South Carolina because I think they've got a lot of games on that schedule that could go either way, those 50-50 games, and I think it's going to be decided by Bentley. So uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, just – you know the efficiency that he has this year and, and what he's learned in the offseason yeah and uh, under david morris qb country they've trained quarterbacks to 103 scholarships over the last five signing classes so we're talking over 20 per signing class i mean that's pretty incredible so this guy really knows his stuff uh working with some of the best in the game so i i just really thought uh, fans of the podcast would appreciate his thoughts on some of these sec guys you know, I got some eligibility, man. You know, I don't know if he can work miracles, but what's the age limit on this thing? <laughs> All right, Chad, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it, man. Now let's go now around, let's the go around, the around the league. Around the league. We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but... I don't need to answer it. You know, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over. And, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean. This game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, lunch bail, let's get to work. All right, Shane, let's just stay there in Knoxville. Where Jeremy Pruitt met with the media, and this was uh, on Wednesday, I believe. And, you know, there was a couple things I wanted to hit on on this. One, we don't have a clip for this first part, but... I just wanted to ask you, Shane, because this is a, obviously a touchy subject and one we've hit on here in the past, but uh, according to people that are at practice down there in on Rocky Top, noting that uh, Trey Smith, the offensive lineman, going through some contact work. Now, it sounds like the contact work, you know, it's not full on. He's not going through the drills and, and hitting guys and stuff like that, but apparently he is going through some semi-contact work and after practice during Jeremy Pruitt's press conference he was asked about it and I mean he's acting like it's not happening and he's saying that you know there's no contact and uh, someone even asked a follow-up and said you know well we saw such and such him doing some kind of drill and Pruitt said well you know more than I do then and I mean you know that's (laughs) you know that's BS so I just want to ask you Shane like why uh, what are your thoughts on that first of all and, and why the secrecy there? I don't know, man. He, I mean, this is – don't he sound like Saban sometimes? You know what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. like he hates to answer some of these questions, and this is one, This is a touchy one. Um, you know, we don't want to get – I mean, and probably what he's saying, he don't want to get uh, Trey fired up. You know, he don't want to get the fans fired up, and then it be shut down. You know, then it's just a disappointment. So – Maybe that's more about it. Maybe it's more about his family. You know, this is a decision that Trey needs to make, not us in the media. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, I think that's more. Uh, I think that's more what's going on here. But he was kind of like that when he was talking about these uh, these waivers too. So I don't know. Yeah, but you know, the last thing I have on that, at least he's out there and he's doing stuff and he's participating with the team. I think it's great that. Uh, not that they would ever alienate Trey Smith, but it's good that uh, while he may not be fully cleared to go, at least he's being able to participate as much as he can, and and they're willing to let him do whatever he. It sounds like whatever he would like to do on the practice field. Well, exactly. I mean, last year he was shut down during this time, so there was no activity. And anybody that's, you know, watched the Tennessee game, watched Trey last year, you know, he didn't start out great. It it took him a little while to find his groove. And by that time, the offensive line had been jumbled so much, you you probably couldn't really see the highlights of what he was capable of. So he's ahead of the curve. If he's going to be playing this year, uh, the fact that he's out there, and even if it's practicing with dummies, he's, he's, he's doing it. He's, he's out there, he's being physical. So, uh, that he's, like I said, he's ahead of the curve compared to last year. Now, the one part of Pruitt's presser that I did want to play this clip, 
This is uh, Jeremy Pruitt talking about his backup quarterbacks there, J.T. Shrout, the redshirt freshman, and Brian Maurer, the true freshman early enrollee. Uh, let's get to the Pruitt's comments here, and then I, I have a couple things I want to hit hit on the other side. Well, both guys have good arms. Uh, they're, they have pretty good athletic ability. They've got to speed up. They've got to take care of the football. Um, arm talent's not an issue, but if you're throwing the ball late, um, you know, it's not a good thing. Uh, you got to know where to start in your progressions. You got to handle the offense. You got to get them in and out of the huddle. You got to be a good communicator. You got to be demanding. Um, and they both need to improve on that, and they will. Um, again, they're like a lot of guys on our team. They just need to play ball, you know, can get lots of reps, and uh, they'll improve as long as they get an opportunity to do that. All right, Shane, the first thing that I really wanted to comment on after these after what Pruitt had to say there you know I think this is somewhat promising for Tennessee fans because this is kind of the same stuff we heard Pruitt saying about Garantano last year and you know Pruitt's not a guy to really throw out praise so it's it kind of seems like when he's not mentioning these kind of issues and mistakes with with Garantano that just tells me that he's he's doing his job whereas you know these freshmen got a ways to go uh, what are your thoughts on that? I I think it's comforting. You know, the last thing we want is a quarterback controversy coming into this season. It seems to me like Garantano's got the, got the starting reps, going to have the starting job. So that's that's kind of a breath of fresh air, you know, compared to last season. And um, you know, positive positive comments. You know, he's he bragged about their arm strength and and capabilities. He's just saying they got to pick up the game speed. So. As soon as they do that, you know, that's what you want to hear. You want to have some reliable backups. Now, here's the other thing that I really wanted to ask you about with this clip, Shane, because this is not unique to Tennessee, but the Vols do have, you know, both their backups. I've never played in college football. And I'm just wondering if there's an issue. I don't know if it's just the state of college football these days, but do you think the SEC has a problem when it comes to backup quarterbacks because I'm sitting here thinking obviously Jalen Hurts left Alabama mm-hmm. I mean Alabama's got basically nothing well I'm and when I say nothing I'm talking about in terms of meaningful experience but Alabama uh, Auburn I mean they don't even know who they're going to start Florida Georgia Kentucky LSU Mississippi State Ole Miss Missouri <laughs> South Carolina A&M and Vanderbilt I went through this by and you know leading up to this None of those teams have a have a quarterback behind the starter that we know can go out there and and get you you know a first down even. Uh, do you do you think that's a major issue in, with the SEC heading into this year? I don't think so because it's kind of been trending that way, you know. So you want to talk about an even playing field? If everybody's got the same situation, um, you would think it wouldn't hurt you. But you know, this is that transfer portal, man. I mean, this is. This is kids not getting to play in the SEC, deciding to go somewhere else and find a spot to play. You know, it wasn't that there wasn't reliable backups on these teams. It's just the ones that were backing up, uh, just like Tennessee, uh, McBride and and all them, you know, they're playing somewhere else next year. So uh, that's what you're seeing. And uh, do you really blame them? I mean, you're talking 14 teams, 14 starting spots. And if you got a, a younger uh, quarterback ahead of you on the depth chart, why stick around? The loyalty's not like it used to be, Mike. I mean, some of these guys, if you are an Alabama fan and you've got that you got that paper and you said, hey, I'm going to play for the University of Alabama, you stuck at Alabama. There was no, hey, I'm going to try my, you know, my chances at SMU next year. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a different day. It's 2019. The kids are different. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a wild time. And, you know, I really... I don't uh, hold hold anything against these guys for transferring, like you said, because everybody wants to play, and there's only one ball, so only obviously only one quarterback can hit the field. But I just hope a national championship or SEC championship or even a division championship is not lost because a starter goes down even for a game or two because I could easily see that. You know, I don't want to project who's going to get hurt and who won't, but – I mean, it could be anybody in football. So, I, I mean, I certainly hope that doesn't happen, but mm-hmm. I, I think it, it could at, at basically any time next fall. Yeah, for sure, man. Hey, let me ask you, do you think the quarterback is the safest position? 
I mean, with all these new rule changing and, you know, the way these kids are getting coached in high school and even middle school, you know, to, to have their heads up and just, you know, be safe on the quarterback. Do you think this – I mean, because – I don't remember. I mean, Tua was banged up last year. Was there anybody else that was like just that that lost their position due to an injury? I mean, can you name the last one? Mm, lost their position. I mean, Jake Bentley almost did. Yeah, that's and true. He Tayamu was hurt, but he never lost his position. I think uh, Stidham. I think Stidham was hurt. I think he was a little bit more hurt than he let on. I think. Maybe they should have replaced him at some point there, but they didn't. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a good point as well. And, and maybe that that has something to do with it. You're just not seeing, you know, these starting quarterbacks go down like you used to. I just think the rule changing actually may be helping these guys. Yeah, well, it better because <laughs> there's not a lot of options behind them next that's year. True. That's true, man. And, and that's what's crazy. You never know, man. The diamond in the rough could be right behind one of these guys. You may think the best quarterbacks on the field, and, and you see it. How many times do you see this? Uh, it's the best The best guy in practice wins the starting spot, but when the pressure's on and the game is going and it's at full speed, sometimes you find that diamond in the rough that's been sitting behind – uh, the quarterback for this whole time, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC East, let's go down to Athens, Georgia. And the com- the comments we got here from old Kirby Smart, I just thought these were particularly interesting because, you know, the Bulldogs, Shane, they did a hell of a job in the recruiting trail like they always do. But last year, you know, they made a clean sweep of number one prospects. They got the number one high school prospect in the nation, Nolan Smith. And they also got the number one junior college prospect in the nation, Jermaine Johnson. They both kind of play the same position. They're defensive ends, outside linebacker types. And Kirby was asked, just, you know, both these guys have enrolled early, so they're there for spring. And he was asked, you know, how are they looking? I know it's early, but just initial impressions here. And uh, I think based on what Kirby Smart had to say, I think Georgia fans are going to be pretty excited. I've seen hunger out of both those guys. I mean, they don't know exactly what to do yet, but, man, they do it hard. And there's something to be said for that. You know, we're going to play kids at the University of Georgia that give effort and play hard and do the right things. And those two guys, man, they play hard. Now, they don't know what they're doing yet. And that's our job. And that's our job. I'm very thankful that they're here 15 practices. And, I mean, Nolan has flashed some plays. He made a – hell of a hit today and a really good play he's also flashing what are you doing and Jermaine's been the same way you know we call them Superman plays where you look out there and go man who is that guy and you say who is that jersey number but then they're lost some too so I'm fired up to coach those two guys because I'm, I'm excited to what they're going to do to the guys in front of them from a pushing standpoint all right Shane I mean Georgia's got a ton of talent on that defensive side of the ball and, I, and I'm not saying they desperately need these guys but you're talking about like I said number one players are at their position you hope they can make some kind of impact and if they're able to rush the passer like a number one prospect should I mean Georgia is just going to go from another level on defense with these two guys so uh, what did you have to think here of what Kirby had to say on these guys yeah, I mean, Kirby had a lot to say, and he was really excited about these guys. You know, he's just saying, hey, these are basically freak athletes running around here They that you could see that they've got a lot of potential. They just need to know what to do with it. And, you know, that's part of that's what practice is for, you know. But I think the biggest thing that stood out to me as far as that defensive front and, and them, you know, may, you know, because they've been talking about putting some more pressure on the quarterbacks this coming up season, was he was so excited about that secondary. You know, last year I think Tucker wanted to turn them boys loose, but he was afraid about that young secondary. And he's saying, you know, hey, they're back. They're better. And, you know, if you have a little bit more confidence on the back end, then you can feel, you know, a little bit more confident in bringing some blitzes and packages that they haven't seen in a while. So, um, I don't know. I, I like it. He was a little concerned about the defensive line front, though, you know. So, there's there's a few pieces that they're going to have to find out this spring. Well, Shane, anytime they're talking about young pass rushers, 
making Superman plays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get pretty excited because when you boil it down, I mean, if that's really all these guys are asked to do, they're, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, he's talking about how hard they play, but they don't know what they're doing. It's pretty simple if you're a true freshman or first year in the program and, and you're, your your mission is to get to the quarterback, get that ball. I mean, yeah. it's it's like freaking water boy out there. You know, just go attack. That's all. Let everyone else know what they're doing. So, uh, I mean, obviously you don't want players out there that don't know what they're doing at all. But if that's all they're they're tasked with doing initially, I th- I think that's going to be great if they can deliver that for the Bulldogs. Well, and that's what's most exciting about it is you got to think Georgia's going to be playing from ahead a lot. And so they're going to be facing probably more fat or passing, you know, passing downs than than most people in the conference, you know. So, uh, yeah, if you've got a couple of young studs out there that want to pin their ears back and get to the quarterback, uh, you know, we may have some disruption this year. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Alabama. Roll Tide! Where old Nick Saban. I think he was talking some trash here, Shane, of his coaching <laughs> staff from last year. Uh, he had his recent presser. Before we get to this, uh, I was going to note that it sounds like Terrell Lewis, they're going to hold him out the rest of the spring. That's kind of the indication there Saban gave. And uh, this is a guy that a very, very talented player, but he missed basically his entire sophomore year. He missed his entire junior year. And this is a guy they really need in there. So I don't even know why in the heck they were having him do anything in the spring. I this is a guy you need to wrap in bubble wrap because you need him for the fall. But <laughs> in addition to that, the biggest thing Coach Saban had to say he was, you know, he was just asked about uh, his his last coaching staff and this one, and uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. So let's play this clip. Coach, in the in the off season, um, with the staff changes that you had, you hired a lot of more experienced coaches. It seemed like, and and can you tell that out there this spring? Is that something that's sort of translated onto the practice field? Well, um, you know, I, I think that no disrespect to any of the coaches that we had here before. I thought they did a wonderful job. Um, I, I um, think there were a couple areas where we had a limited amount of experience, but uh, and I think that you know we've been able to improve the staff in a lot of ways um, with the people that we have and the experience that they have. Um, you know, I thought we needed to improve our staff as a recruiting staff a year ago. I think we did that. I think this recruiting class probably showed that. Uh, I think that the guys we hired are good recruiters, but I do think in some cases we have more experience, and I think knowledge and experience is always something that is, you know, really beneficial to teach players. Um, so I've been pleased so far with, you know, the people that we have and the progress that we've been able to make and how the players have responded to the coaches. All right, Shane, I love any time someone says, no disrespect to such and such, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're, then you're fucking disrespecting him, Coach. I, I hate to tell you that. <laughs> My bosses have been saying this for years, Mark. <laughs> no disrespect, but uh, we're going to need you to dress up nicer. You know, that's just... <laughs> Uh, flip-flops ain't working anymore, buddy. <laughs> but how surprised were you? I mean, it seems like he really admitted that his last recruiting or his last coaching staff was basically like a bunch recruiting. of damn recruiters. Yeah. And now, now, he's, now he's back to getting some coaches on his staff. Yeah, I told you, man. Uh, you know, we, we talked about them bringing in some of these older coaches, and and that's exactly what they need. It, you know, you can have recruiters there. You can have all the talent. I mean, I mean, hey, look at Butch Jones. You know, you can have talent, but if you're not developing that talent – and, and Saban's only one man. I mean, he's he's probably the greatest coach ever, head coach ever, but he can only be at one spot at one time. You've got to have other coaches that you can rely on, and it feels like Saban is a little bit more confident going into the season with the staff he has. Yeah, and I don't know, Shane, if this maybe says just how great Alabama is as a football program, but – you, th- you look at just about any other SEC program, maybe not Georgia at this point with all their talent, but but maybe you got to include them as well. But I know for a fact the rest of the SEC, if a head coach messes up his staff and basically hires four or five guys he shouldn't have, you're looking at a terrible year. Mm-hmm. And Alabama just ran through the SEC. And yeah, they got embarrassed in, against Clemson, but 
I mean, that's still that's incredibly impressive that he comes out and says, basically, we didn't have coaches last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, what this what kind of world are we living in here? You know? Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Well, we talked about this, you know, last year we were worried about those coordinators. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new song and dance this year down to Alabama. So I, I think, I think honestly, the pieces that he's got in place, uh, he's done it for a reason. Nick doesn't make these choices lightly, you know. He doesn't just bring anybody in. He's he's tried the recruiting route. Now he wants some ball coaches in there and uh, because that's what you're going to need to make these adjustments during the game. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Oxford. Auditorio, miss. Matt Luke, he recently met with the media and – you know, I thought the most interesting thing he had to say, he was talking about the the progression of his redshirt freshman quarterback, Matt Corral, who this is his second spring year in Oxford. He enrolled early last year. Uh, but let's jump to these clips from uh, Matt Luke here, and then uh, I want to ask you something about old Matt Corral. What kind of growth have you seen in your quarterbacks this deep into practice now? Yeah, so, you know, after nine days, I think I think Matt is, is way ahead. You know, you, you do see the freshman – um, you know, making the progression, but you can also tell that they, you know, they just got here. So uh, you, it's just what a difference a year makes from where Matt got here last year. You can really see, you can really see the difference because he's way ahead right now. You say he can, you can see the difference. What are kind of the bigger points of his game that he has made progress? I think just, uh, I think just the presence. You know, if he makes a mistake, not losing his cool, just be ready to play the next play. You know, things like that. I think uh, you can just really tell that he's been out there and he's done it for a full year. Uh, the way he's encouraging. I think uh, when you're just figuring out, you're worried just about yourself and uh, you know just trying to get your job right. But when you've been in it longer, you're communicating to the receivers. You're talking to the offensive line. You're doing the little things that it takes to be a, a good quarterback. Here's what I want to ask you because I've been really down on Ole Miss. I'm not trying to pick on them or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just That's just my honest opinion. I don't think they're going to be that good. But if Matt Corral, Shea, I mean, there's always these guys, and it seems like in college football now it's these redshirt freshmen that – kind of burst out onto the scene like a, you know, Johnny Manziel or Marcus Mariota. I mean, it's not like we were hyping these guys up before they burst out on the scene. If Matt Corral, who was a U.S. Army All-American, you know, he was committed to Florida for a long time, and then right before signing day he comes and and obviously flips to Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. He got on the the field. He played in four games last year. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was definitely not – it didn't look too big for him, and they had a solid quarterback, so they didn't want to rush him onto the field. How, you know, I'm just wondering how good can Ole Miss be if, you know, I'm not, I'm not predicting this guy's going to be like a Heisman candidate or anything, but if he comes out, he's playing in Rich Rodriguez's new offense, who Rich Rodriguez himself is probably feeling a little bit burned, you know, where mm-hmm. he got dismissed there at Arizona. If he, you know, gets this offense going immediately and Matt Corral turns out to be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, uh, can Ole Miss, you know, surprise some people next year? I mean, I'm going to be surprised because I don't know what the hell they're going to put on the field. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, it, I mean, this offense is not going to look anything like last year's offense. You're not going to have the weapons on the outside. You know, one of the things Coach Luke bragged about was the running game. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is more of a rushing team than a passing team like it was last year. So um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's in his DNA. I mean, he's an offensive lineman, and, you know, you he, he wants to run first and then pass. So uh, I think we're going to have a different-looking ball club next year, which, you know, I, I've never – I think out of all the teams, this one I want to keep – them and Arkansas – is well and LSU, you know. I want to. I want to see what kind of product they put on the field as far as offense, because I really think it's going to be night and day compared to last year. Yeah, and I just think that, you know, like I said, Corral's a California guy. Came all the way to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Now in his second year, I really like Coach Luke talking about, you know, how he's basically teaching up his guys around him. So yeah. I don't know if he can fill. They're going to need leadership. They're going to need talent. They're going to need. They're going to need a new face of the program, and if Matt Corral can deliver that, uh, I think uh, the Ole Miss is going to shut me up pretty quick. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think he's in a hot seat, man? Just. Oh I, yeah, I, I think he's in the hottest okay. seat, the SEC for sure. Oh, you think so? Okay, I was going to say second, but I'll go with you. <laughs> Maybe third. I, I don't know. People, a lot of people like Coach Luke down there. You know. Well, we're going to get to the hot seat, guy. <laughs> Hold on, that's that's coming. 
All right, Shane, somebody, say, somebody say Gus. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where the Tigers have announced their homecoming game. Shane, I know you love these homecoming games. And they are playing the Florida Gators for homecoming, oh Shane. And that's, I mean, that's more of an FU than anything LSU threw out there to the Gators. Uh, didn't, what do they you... do this? didn't they do this a couple <laughs> years ago when the uh, hurricane hit? I yeah. think Florida made LSU the homecoming game, if I'm not mistaken. No. Yeah, I think that's what it was um, when they played back-to-back at home. Um, yeah, I just remember McIlwain, you know, they were asking him about it, and he got off a plane. He's like, yeah, I don't know nothing about it. So <laughs> I, I know you're right. I just don't know where the game was at. But it's, oh, you... it's fascinating that LSU is kind of – flip that on Florida. I mean, they're just they're just really trying to put it to them. And, of course, you know, LSU had a hell of a year last year, and that was one of the games they they let go. They, they dropped that game in Gainesville. Yeah. Uh, you know they're trying to get this one back in Baton Rouge. I mean, how rowdy is this going to be uh, this, da- down here in Death Valley? This is going to be big. And, and one of the biggest reasons is because of Dan Mullen. If you remember in that history lesson uh, when we were talking about the Egg Bowl last year, Mm -hmm. uh, Dan was a big instigator in creating negative propaganda from teams. You know, so I can see him really pumping this up, saying, hey, listen, guys, they scheduled you for home. I mean, I think he's going to be in their ear for two weeks prior to this game. By any chance, do you have – uh, LSU, LSU schedule around that time frame. I'm just wondering if there was another, if there was another avenue here. Shane, I knew you were going to ask. I got it yeah. pulled up here. You want the whole thing? Yeah, let's do the whole thing. All right. So the Tigers open the season at home against Georgia Southern, and then the big Week Two game at Texas. That's going to be a great one. Mm. Uh, they return home the third week for Northwestern State. Uh, fourth week of the season, they go to Vanderbilt. Still in September, right? uh, Yes. And then they close September with a bye week. That's when they get their first bye. Uh, Return home for Utah State. There it is. And then another home game is Florida. So that's – Utah State, man. The Utes. They're clearly saying, you know, to hell with Florida here with this homecoming (laughs) decision. (laughs) Oh, dude, the hot video is going to be unreal that week, Mike. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't wait for it. It's going to be a good one. I think – I mean, besides Gators, they also get Auburn at home, and then the last two games, Arkansas and Texas A&M, are both at home. So uh, this is this is probably going to be the best home game of the of the slate here for LSU. Absolutely. I mean, this game's been decided like less than a touchdown, like the last six seasons. So I mean, it's, it's this is going to be a hell of a game, man. Hell of a game. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Auburn. War damn eagle. Where we don't really have a clip or anything, but I just want to make this note. This is pretty unusual. I think this is the first time that we're getting this in the SEC. We saw it a couple weeks ago from a USC guy, but uh, Auburn has had an early enrollee. His name's Cameron Kelly. Mm-hmm. So he's he just got on campus in January. He's in the transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the first SEC guy to enroll and then not even make it through spring. Now, he cited, you know, he wrote a very uh, big message there on Twitter, so I, I don't want to make fun of him too much because he says his mother is ill or something and his, his sister's having health problems. But this guy decommitted two or three times during his recruiting process, so I don't know. He seems a little flaky. I hope everything's going well with his family i hope everything goes well so maybe he really does need to get closer to home but it seems like he's got a big issue with uh commitment there is uh knoxville closer to home just asking for a friend <laughs> yeah he's from <laughs> he's from virginia so oh that's on the way all right we'll take him transfer portal <laughs> all right Shay, let's jump down to fayetteville woo pig chad morris met with the media this week and uh you know, this was some perplexing stuff. Well, before we get into his comments, we got to make this note. Uh, sophomore receiver Mike Woods out for the spring. Chad Morris is kind of down on that. This is uh, this is the guy, Shane, you may not remember this, but uh, Mike Woods was prepared, prepared to go to SMU, when, obviously, when mm-hmm. Chad Morris was the coach. And then Chad Morris got the Arkansas job. And a day later, I think it was, Mike Woods said, hey, I'm coming to Arkansas. So this is a guy they've had on their radar for a long time, but... Uh, you know, he didn't quite live up to the hype last last season, I didn't think. And I think he even got 
at DUI or something his first first year on campus. So <laughs> he's had some issues off the field, and now he's injured. So uh, Chad Morris was kind of down on that, talking about how bad he needed this spring. And he did say he was having a good spring up to this point, but that's that's disappointing news. But in addition to that, I mean, Chad Morris, I thought he was going to cry during this presser <laughs> just talking about how his offense, they're still trying to find an identity. Uh, so I'm going to play these clips, and then uh, you and I are going to laugh at him here at the other end. What are your thoughts about that, what, what you want the identity to be? Well, I mean, we want to be good at, at, at what we do. And um, it's not about how much we do. It's about how well we do it. And, um, and you know, for that specifically, and, and been heavily, heavily involved in that. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the fact that this is how we're going to look, and this is what it's going to look like, and this is how we've got to get good at the different things. And so a part of that is because of um, and, and causing us to do our practices over the next four to five practices like we did today. A lot of just I want to see what we do against some bad looks. Some, some, you can't call a perfect play every time. It's not going to happen. And so scripting for emphasis, um, you may get a, a tackle for loss. You may get a sack on it. But at least it's a great teaching moment right now to teach these guys that this, if this call is called into this look, this is how it should have been handled. So, um, so before we continue to add, we're going to get good at what we do. And obviously, you know, you know we're, we're an inside zone team. We run the power of counter just like every other team in the country does. Um, but we've got to be able to block it against the different looks and, um, and different movements, and we've got to understand what the answers are and, uh, and throw our base passing game against the coverages that, are, that, that we see in this league. So, All right, Shane. So, I mean, that was, that was kind of rough to listen to, but the reason I really wanted to play these clips, Shane, I think, I don't know, I really think the Razorbacks made so many mistakes last year, and maybe he's kind of admitting – you know, I think they threw too much at him. I think he's kind of said that all spring, and now they're kind of back to the basics. But I don't know. This is dangerous to me, Shane. It's very dangerous that you're in year two and you're, you know, he's talking about we're trying to get alignments, you know, to where they they kind of are mismatched so they know what to do, and we're trying to find identity. And, I mean, this is year one stuff that they should have mm-hmm. got out of the way and I, I know there's a ton of time to the season rolls around, so I'm not. It's not doom and gloom by any means, but I don't know. I'm I'm just perplexed by some of these statements here. Yeah, I, I mean, out of all the coaches that we've listened to this week, this by far was the most depressing one. And I'm not trying to b- bash Coach Morris, but you know, here you're coming off this horrible season. You know, there's there's a time to remove the coach hat and put on the salesman hat. You know, you need to get your fan base pumped up about the product you have. And this was not it. Coach, I mean, he just looked down like, you know, nothing was working on offense. You know, Ben's, Ben's not happy all of a sudden. You know, it just seems like every comment they asked was, well, Ben was just on and he said this. And so uh, he may have lost his media privileges. You know, you may not see Ben Hicks for a while. So, uh, but I don't know. I just, I didn't like, I didn't like the message. And, you know, you watch somebody like Coach Luke down there at Ole Miss, which again, you're talking about being on a hot seat. Dude had the most upbeat, positive meeting. Everybody was doing great. There was a bunch of thumping going on out there. This guy did this. This guy did this. You got Kirby talking about these young guys stepping up. You got uh, Burrow down there pumped up about the offense. I mean, it's just that's the kind of attitude you need. You know, you're not Saban. Saban acts like he ain't won a game in ten years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas needs positive reinforcement they need to come out and hear the good stuff you know if you got some problems don't let the media know it because they're going to create something out of it yeah so i don't know i'm trying not to read too much into it but i think i'm just a lot of those performances are burned into my head from last year that was so bad but i'm hoping they get that thing turned around but it's just it's disturbing when i hear stuff like this this is like i said this is year (laughs) year one stuff they should they should already be beyond but this at is least, at least Mike, they're addressing snow, it. Yeah, this is snowball stuff. I mean, it, what is it? Four weeks from now, we're going to be talking about. Well, it really needs five years to you know get your system in, and, you know, and start. You know, you don't want to do that. People want to win now. So let's talk about the young talent. Let's talk about some of the good things that happen in practice, and and if you got some bad things, well, let's work it out. That's what scrimmages are for. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Shane, that's all I got on the news front, but uh, we do have a bit of a mailbag question. All right. Listen up, it's time for mail call. Don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. What do you got? Okay, here we go. What color is a fire truck? Oh, God, I always get these. Um, okay, uh, all right, fire truck. Fire truck, fire truck, fire truck. What color are those red fire trucks? Shane already jumped the gun and he answered this on our Reddit page, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll tackle it here as well. And this, uh, this comes from our guy TH on the Reddit page. Remember, that's uh, that SEC podcast on Reddit. You can ask us uh, anything on there. We'll get to it on the podcast. But uh, TH asks, out of curiosity, how many games does Gus Malzahn have to win to keep his job? You both pointed out how they have one of the tougher schedules in the SEC. Uh, you know, you've already kind of answered this one. You want to go first, Shane? Yeah, uh, and real quick, mailbag questions, you can also do it with the Twitter page or the uh, Instagram. So that SEC podcast, if you got a, a mailbag question you want us to tackle, we're doing right now two shows a week, so we'll, we'll usually try to get to them on the second one. But uh, I said all that to say this, Mike. Um, first off, do you have the schedule in front of you? I'd like to go down through here um, and just get your prediction. I mean, this is early. It's March 28th. Uh, but I'd like to see where you think they'll finish at the end of the year as well. Yeah, Shane, I have it right here. <laughs> okay, starting well, all right, starting with the opener here against Oregon, and that's mm-hmm. a neutral site game, AT and T Stadium. Loss. That's a win. I think that's going to be a big win there for Auburn. Uh, week two's at home against Tulane. That's a that's a win. That's a win. Week three's another home game for against Kent State. That's a win. That's a win. Week four gets ratcheted up here. We go to Texas A&M. Loss. Yeah, I think that's a loss as well. Uh, then they return home for Mississippi State. Ooh. I'm going to go win on that one. Yeah, I think that's going to be a win as well. Uh, then they get a tough one. They go to Gainesville to face the Gators. Loss. Yeah, I think that'll be a loss as well. So then we got a bye week. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Arkansas. I think that's going to be a win. That'll be a win. Uh, then they come off that and they play at LSU, which I don't think they've won at, in Baton Rouge in like 16 years. It'll be 17. Loss. <laughs> Loss. Uh, then they get Ole Miss at home. I think that's a win. Oh, that's a win. Yeah. Then they get a bye week. Uh-huh. And then they have Georgia, which will be a loss. Yeah, that's a loss. And then Sanford at home. That's an easy win. Yeah. And then they finish up against Alabama, which will be a loss. Okay, so that's – I got them winning six. How many do you have them winning? Seven. Seven, okay. I, I think either one, six or seven, I think Gus is gone. And my biggest thing is with those losses, I if, if they get smoked by Alabama, I'm talking 40 points, 30 points, just embarrassing, not even close at half – same thing with Georgia after all that fuss they made this season. You know, I think those two games, maybe even LSU, if they get smoked in two or three of those, that's what's going to lose Gus his job, not the fact that he barely made a bowl game. Because I really – I honestly thought they, they're, they're going to be struggling to make a bowl game after the end of the season. And that's not Auburn. That's Auburn right now expects championships. I mean, they're not that – far from being removed as a national champ you know so mm-hmm. that's that's what they want and Gus is not giving it to them they got coaches that can't stay they got they don't even know who their quarterback is so I just I'm really worried about the University of Auburn this year man well I mean you kind of went where I was going to go a little bit but I don't know because some of these games are, are still toss-ups to me Shane I'm not I'm not ready to say they're automatically going to lose to Texas A&M or Florida or LSU I mean they could pull an upset or two, I think. So, it, for me, the thing with Gus Malzahn, it's not about how many wins he gets. I, you know, that's kind of the question here. How many does he have to win? I don't think that's quite relevant. I think it's more to what you were saying. Like, if he wins, let's say he wins 10 games next year, uh-huh. but he loses to 50 to Georgia, he loses by 60 to Alabama, he's, yeah. he's gone. 
Yeah. You know, if but if he if let's say he only wins eight games, but he beats Georgia or Alabama, mm-hmm. I think he's totally fine. So I think it just comes down to how competitive is he against those two rivals? I don't think anyone's going to be expecting them to beat them, but they're both at home. Mm-hmm. They both beat these teams at home two years ago. So they need to have a good showing. They cannot get run out of their own building by either one of these teams. I think it's going to be more about how they're playing at the end, Shane. And remember, Auburn's just – it just seems like historically they can really get hot too. So yeah. you know, if they pull an upset or two, let's say they beat Florida. Let's say they beat LSU. And they've if, if they were to somehow pull off those two upsets, uh, we're talking – they would have a five-game winning streak with a bye heading into that Georgia game. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of what happened two years ago. And they, they found a way to beat number one Georgia at home. And then that momentum carried over to the Iron Bowl and they beat. I mean, they, they really whipped Alabama's ass that year. It should have been Auburn in the, in the college football playoff, if you ask me. But so, I don't know. Anything can happen. To me, it's, it's just about being competitive down the mm-hmm. stretch against Georgia and Alabama, that's going to be what determines whether Gus Malzahn returns or not, not necessarily the win total. Well, you said all that. I am going to say now that I've given it some thought, they're going to lose to Mississippi State and not make a ball game. <laughs> Gus is gone. That's just my hot take. And you know what? I really think if you if you remember last year going into Hoover when they had the SEC media days, this was a hot t- uh, topic with the athletic director. You know, does it does it come back up again? Is it does it become the headline again when we're down there SEC media days because the whole spotlight of the nation will be back on Gus and Auburn and uh, man, I, I just like I said, I just think it's a pressure cooker down there, and I just I, I think he's. I mean, he's got to win not only nine or ten games, but he has got to win either Alabama and Georgia, in my opinion, uh, or definitely LSU, you know, and I just don't see it happening. Well, I don't know. Perception changes quickly in the SEC, Shane. Remember this time last year, Auburn, I believe they were preseason top 15. Mm -hmm. I wrote about Gus Malzahn sitting on the hottest seat. I got damn laughed off Twitter by the 247 people. I know Barrett Salee called me out, and then seven games into Auburn's season, they both had him fired. That's crazy how that <laughs> works. But that's what I'm saying. If he starts hot, I mean, all that goes away. So, you know, I'm just – I'm not too concerned until we see the final product here on the field. Yeah. Do you think he's gone just – right now, just taking a, a guess, do you think he's gone next year? No. I think if they were going to get rid of him, I think it, they would have been last year. Okay. All right, man. The fact that he survived that was kind of impressive because I, I really do think they tried to fire him. <laughs> Are they betting on this yet? You know, you like, there was some hot seat stuff last year. I put money on it. <laughs> all right, Shay, that's all I got on this one. And it's not, it's not that I don't like Gus. I like Gus. I, I, th- I like listening to him talk. I think I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his offense, but, I, you know, he's done some great things at the University of Auburn. I'm not bashing him. I just I, I think he's just got too much working against him. Uh, you know, they they dictated who he could hire as assistant coaches. I mean, they're the ones that handcuffed him. So mm-hmm. uh, now they're going to have to, you know, reap what they sow. So, well, that's uh, one thing to think. He's he's back to be an offensive coordinator like he should have been. I mean, that's when he had Cam Newton and was, you know, won the national championship. That's what he was doing when he had Nick Marshall and he went to another national championship. So maybe yeah. he gets back in there. He does the strength of his coaching is his play calling. We saw in the Purdue bowl game. I mean, they beat the hell out of that team. So I don't know, maybe he just gets that magic back and uh, uh, maybe he, he recaptures what he had there a couple years ago. I love it, Mike. I love it. I'm ready for some football uh, spring game uh, real quick. Isn't a uh, Vanty coming up here tomorrow or something? Uh, yes, yes, sir. Vanderbilt, their spring game. That's going to be on SEC Network. I'll be uh, watching. <laughs> and that's the only one we got this weekend. Uh, that's kicking off at noon Eastern time, 11 Central, the Vanderbilt Black and Gold game. So uh, that's that's something to look forward to. And then the following Saturday, we got a big one, Chad. We got four SEC spring games coming up the, the following weekend. So uh, this is a great time right here. Yeah, for sure, man. 
Well, uh, no, I just did mention the the SEC podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So, like I said, if you if you got any mailbag questions, you can always send it there. Uh, I'm going to try to get out a preview every single uh, episode that comes out from the podcast here. I uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, if you do have an iPhone, uh, those rating and reviews really do help us out. So, a five star heart, we'd really appreciate that. If not, like I said, just hanging out here in the springtime. Love it. Um, I'm ready for some college football to crank up, man. All right, Shane. Thanks for joining me. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in, as always. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Kurt Roper, isn't that the weather guy? No, was former South Carolina offensive coordinator, and he's he was former Florida offensive coordinator. Now he's now he's Duke uh, offensive coordinator. Oh, okay, uh, it was Al Roker who I was thinking of. My bad. <laughs> the guy that lost all that weight. <laughs>